Hello, I'm Ray with another podcast episode. Here we go again, another Sunday, another hour-long episode or whatever, maybe 40 minutes, 50 minutes. That's funny, whatever. The latest, <laughs> I just reminded myself, the latest thing I've heard is whatevs. You know, uh, people shorten words, don't they? Try to think of an example. Totes instead of totally. They say totes. I was totes astonished. <laughs> it's funny. Actually, I don't know whether I like it or not, but the latest I've heard for whatever is whatevs. Whatevs. I don't know. It's strange. Now I forget what I was talking about. I went down the town the other day because I had to go to the dentist. He wanted to check his work, which he'd finished previously, what, a few weeks back, and he just wanted to check. Everything was fine. No more bills. Good grief. I haven't got any more money left after my first, what, two, three visits to him recently. So I decided to walk back uh, on a different route rather than the main route. I, I thought I'd go another way, past a few local shops and some houses. And, you know, I passed one shop doorway and it got me thinking. I looked in this doorway. The shop was all boarded up. It's closed, all boarded up and finished, as so many are these days, which is such a shame, isn't it? But in the doorway, it was like a porch, like an alcove, you know, it was full of rubbish, cans, crisp packets, bits of newspaper, absolutely full of rubbish. Now, of course, it gathers in doorways, doesn't it? Because you get the wind, it forms kind of eddy currents, you know, like little whirlpools, and all the rubbish goes into one place. But it wasn't that so much that the rubbish had collected in one place. It was that no one had cleared it up. I don't know how long it had been there, but by the look of it, quite some time, there was a lot of it. And I looked up at the shop as I walked past. It's all boarded up. And it just looked derelict. I don't know, there were other shops there that were looking pretty rough. They had satellite dishes above them. You know, these satellite dishes, because there were flats over the shops. Nothing wrong with that. But all the wires, the coax, all hanging off these dishes, all going along the wall, hanging down. There were telephone wires as well going to the buildings, all hanging down. It just looked like a right mess. And the shops that were open there, I mean, they, they tried. You know, they looked pretty good. But I just thought, what a shame to have the whole place looking so derelict like that. As I walked home, I, I was sort of keeping an eye out for things because that had started me off. Once I get a bee, is it, what is a bee in your bonnet, isn't it? Or is it a bee under your bonnet? I don't know why anyone would have a bee under their bonnet. Bonnet being hat, of course. So once you get a bee under your hat, <laughs> what a ridiculous expression. Whoever dreamed that up? Anyway, as I walked home, I was looking round for more rubbish. And of course, I didn't have much of a job. I was surrounded by rubbish. I suppose people don't notice it anymore. There must be some reason that people, they just ignore it. Perhaps they don't see it. Perhaps they're so used to it. It's part of the town. I don't know. But the more I looked round, the more I realised how much rubbish there was about. I don't mind the weeds. The council has stopped putting weed killer everywhere which is rather nice because the wildflowers, the weeds, they all grow and they help the insects, etc. And they, I think they look nice along the edges of the pavements. I think it looks nice. Other people don't. Obviously, the insects love it, so that's the main thing. It doesn't matter about people, as long as the insects are happy. That's what I say. <laughs> as you know, I don't like people. I prefer animals. Anyway, moving on. I keep forgetting what I'm saying. I think it's old age. Moving on, I noticed that so many other shops were closed and boarded up. And they've got stickers all over, adverts. What are they, bills? It's used to, what was that expression? They used to put no, oh, post no bills. Do you remember that? Post no bills. In other words, not uh, like a billboard. I wonder where the word bill comes from. I know in America it's a dollar bill, isn't it? But where bills, anyway, adverts, that's basically what they mean. Don't stick bits of paper all over advertising the local circus coming to town or whatever. Or I should have said, or whatevs, <laughs> whatevs, something else. I remember my grandchildren, they used the words coolio. Uh, they like that, coolio. So I started saying to it, and they said, Granddad, you're too old to say coolio. So, so I said it even more just to annoy them. <laughs> coolio. And another one was, if something was good, it was great. Cool bananas. Why cool bananas? Isn't that strange? I love all these expressions, especially the the new ones that kids come out with. We know the old ones, don't we? Stone the crows and good grief. <laughs> I'll go to the foot of our stairs. I, my favourite is stone the crows. I said that the other day, a friend of mine popped round, show me his car. He's got an Austin 1100, 1969, I think, Austin 1100, a red one. 
absolutely lovely. He's been doing it all up and it looks beautiful. It sounds good. And he opened the door for me to have a sit inside. And I said, stone the crows, because it was so nice. He said, good grief, I haven't heard that for years. I said, well, you just said good grief. That's an old one. So we both had a bit of a laugh about that. You've got to have a laugh, haven't you? I think you have to smile. As I said recently, did I say it recently? My cup is always half full. I know with some people, their cup's half empty. Doom and gloom. We're doomed. We've had our six-year-old grandson, well, one of our grandsons, the six-year-old one here all week. So we've been a bit hectic, flying aeroplanes in the local park. We went to Knockhatch. Do you know where Knockhatch is? That's a funny name, isn't it? Knockhatch, near Hailsham. Look it up on the map. <laughs> it's a kind of farm. You, you know these farms? Well, of course you know farms. That's not what I mean. You should know what I mean by now. You've been listening to me long enough. Uh, a farm. They're not making any money. They've got a few cows and chickens. They're not making any money. So what they do, get rid of the cows and chickens, and they put go-karts in and uh, zip wires and roundabouts and helter-skelters and climbing frames and all this stuff. What are those things full of plastic balls they call? Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, and it's full of kids. And this place, honestly, they did have some animals, uh, meerkats. Uh, I can't remember what else. There were too many people. There were so many people. I couldn't see the animals. I just about glimpsed some meerkats over the crowd. But there were so many people there. Anyway, that wasn't the point. On the way back, we were in traffic. I got a bit lost. I went the wrong way. That was Satnav's fault, not mine, I hasten to add. On the way back, we stopped at traffic lights and I was looking at a row of shops. There were five shops in this row. Three of them were boarded up. And as I was saying about walking downtown the other day, wires hanging down from above the shops. There were some lights above one of them that obviously didn't work. They'd been there years, rusted, wires hanging down. All the boarding over the windows and the doors covered in graffiti. It looked dreadful. Honestly, it looked like they were in the middle of a demolition job, you know, getting rid of all these derelict shops, knocking them down. But they weren't, because out of the five, as I say, three were boarded up. The other two, the people that were running their business, had tried to make them look nice. There was a greengrocer out the front. He had all his fruit and veg. It looked nice. His shop was well lit inside. It was, it was really nice, but completely spoilt by these other three in the middle. And the chap the other end, I, I forget what that shop was, but his was nice. It looked good from the outside. He kept it painted. It was clean. It looked nice. But these three in the middle, I don't know. It shouldn't be allowed, to be honest. I blame the local council. Who can I blame? I like blaming other people. Well, he it is. It's the local council. A friend of mine, years ago, he lived in a council house. And I remember him saying to me that the council... They, you know, he rents it from the council. For those of you that live abroad, you may not know what that is. It's a local, uh, the local council own houses and they rent them out to people. It's cheaper than renting privately. And this chap, he said to me, the council come round every now and then, check the garden, the front and back garden. They go in the house and they look round, you know, make sure you haven't smashed it up or just letting it go to rack and ruin. That's another one, isn't it? Rack and ruin. Where's that cut? What's going to rack mean? Ruin, I understand, but rack? <laughs> rack and ruin anyway the council went round every so often and checked everything so you know the tenants have got to look after the place they've got to have the garden looking nice these days that doesn't apply uh he was telling i saw him recently and he was saying to me funny enough we were talking about this and he said that the council don't bother the reason this cropped up is i was telling him about the rubbish i'd seen and he said well there's a couple of houses in his street that are just in the front garden. You know, there's an old mattress, he said, dumped. Bits of old furniture dumped. And I said, I thought the council checked. No, he said, not anymore. They don't bother. They can't be bothered with it. And it looked awful. Most of the people in the street kept the gardens really looking nice. You know, flowers and the lawn kept nice. Then you get a couple. He said, a couple in the street. Front gardens are full of rubbish. It's such a shame, isn't it? So walking back from town... Uh, when I got out of town, heading back home, I was walking past houses. I noticed that most of them were really nice. You know, they had their front gardens nice. Or they made the front garden, they've paved it all over to park the car on, which you have to do these days. So many cars, there's nowhere to park. A lot of people in our road, including us, we've paved the, the front over and we've got parking there for two cars. I'd rather have a front garden with flowers. Actually, we have kept a border down one side where we got some shrubs. 
which is rather nice, and some flowers. But a lot of people, they've just paved over the whole front garden. And of course, what happens? Where does the water go? This is what they've been talking about recently, isn't it, in the news, floods and everything. Where does the water go? As someone said, you concrete over London, you cover the entire London area with concrete, and places flood. Why? Well, there's only the River Thames to take it away. And if the tide's in and the Thames is full up, well, that can't take it away. So that's going to overflow. Why do people build on floodplains? And I don't know, there's so much land around. It makes you wonder why they build on floodplains. Anyway, they do. Probably because they're idiots. Well, that's the only explanation, surely. But walking back, though, the rubbish, the rubbish in the streets. As I say, weeds and flowers I quite like. So do the insects. But tin cans bottles, bits of plastic from, um, you know, a kebab shops or whatever they are, hamburger shops, you know, the polystyrene kind of boxes they come in, just thrown everywhere. And all over the pavement were some chips, you know, chips, you call them fries in America. Someone obviously didn't want any more, just chucked the polystyrene box and the contents, the chips, all over the pavement. Or should I say the sidewalk? <laughs> no, I'm not in America, am I? People don't seem to care. And, you know, it got me thinking, when I was young, when I was a boy, was there rubbish everywhere? To be honest, I can't quite remember. But I don't remember seeing a load of rubbish everywhere. Perhaps there was, but I don't remember it. And I'm sure I would have done if there's rubbish blown around everywhere. And I'm sure my parents, the adults of the time, would have noticed it and done something about it. They talk about the oceans, don't they, being full of plastic those little micro beads, are they, or whatever, and also bits of plastic. You know, there's fishing line, nylon fishing line. There's all sorts of plastic bags, carrier bags, rubbish everywhere, which obviously is dreadful for the, the sea life. What about on land? I mean, it's dreadful, isn't it? It's just awful all over the place. There's rubbish. Why do people do that? There have been some photos in the paper, was it, a few weeks ago, where we had our summer, our summer here in the UK. As you know, it lasts two or three weeks, and uh, that's gone. That was a couple of months back, we had summer. And there were photos uh, on the telly and uh, online of, is it Bournemouth Beach and Brighton Beach, where people had been there for the day. They'd all gone home. And honestly, the litter, the beaches were just covered in rubbish. And there were used nappies, diapers, as you say in America. Why do I keep saying, as you say in America? I'm in the UK. I suppose because you might think, what the hell are nappies? <laughs> nappies. Yeah, they're diapers. But... You know, used ones just chucked on the beach. Who does that? Who would do that in their right mind? Well, they're not in their right mind, are they? They're balmy. When I was a boy, when I was young, all of us youngsters, we were told, you take your rubbish home. You put stuff in your pockets. You have a packet of crisps. You're walking along the street. Shouldn't really walk along the street eating, but, you know, as boys, you do. When you finished your crisps, you don't chuck the packet on the ground. You put it in your pocket. If there's not a bin nearby, then you can put it in the bin when you get home. People don't do that anymore. There was one thing I was really impressed. I was parked, this is a few weeks back, I was parked outside a row of shops waiting for my wife. She popped in to get something. It was a really windy day. And, you know, we've got wheelie bins here in the UK, these wheelie bins for, refu um, you know, dustbin stuff and recycle, all that stuff. One of them had blown over because we have to put them out on the pavement for the dustman to collect because they don't want to walk up your paths anymore which is okay but this wind had blown one over and the rubbish the lid had opened and the rubbish was beginning to spill out a couple of tin cans bits of paper and you know I watched from my car I was going to go and pick it up I watched people walk by it there must have been a dozen or more people they just walked past this bit they had to walk round it on the pavement not one of them picked it up and you know a boy of about 10 11 years old I think he must have been with his mum. There was this lady and he ran on ahead and he came across the bin. Now, she didn't tell him. He picked it up and he put the rubbish back in it, shut the lid and, and pushed it to the edge of the, you know, back near the wall. And I was impressed. I thought, what a good lad. You know, he's been brought up properly. Everyone else, mainly adults, just walked straight past, well, walked round the thing because it was in the way. Not one of them picked it up. Isn't that awful? I suppose these days people don't care where they live. They, you know, the, the streets just look like a tip. They don't care. I suppose, I don't know, you, it makes you wonder what their houses are like. I was going to say, I suppose they keep their house nice. Perhaps they don't. 
perhaps they walk around rubbish in the house. You know, they're, they're walking across the lounge and there's a load of rubbish on the floor, so they go round it or step over it. I don't know. Anyway, enough doom and gloom. We don't doom and gloom, do we? That was just a hook to hang it on, you know, the peg to hang it on. Collected some radio gear from my friend's house the other day. Did I tell you? A friend of mine passed away and then his wife passed away. So his daughter contacted me and a load of amateur radio gear. He used to smoke a lot and so did his wife. And so did I. I you know, I'm not knocking smoke. If you smoke, that's fine. I smoked heavily for 42 years. I was lucky. I really was. My chair, can you hear that chair creaking? Is that annoying? No, we don't do annoy, do we? We don't get offended. Oh, here we go. Are you offended by my chair creaking? <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't surprise... I must change this chair. I'll have to squirt some WD-40 on it. It wouldn't surprise me if someone emails and say, look, your chair offends me. <laughs> what, what was I saying? Yeah, he smoked, so did his wife. They both smoked heavily and the whole house, his daughter met me there, the whole house absolutely reeked of cigarettes. The walls, the ceilings were yellow and the radio gear I've brought home, we've had to put it in the shade because it, it absolutely stinks of cigarettes. Unfortunately, it's, I've been trying to clean some of it up. Uh, you know, a sponge and a little bit of uh, soapy warm water. Uh, not too much on electronic equipment, of course, but it's brown, all coming off it. It's brown nicotine. Such a shame. Yeah, I smoked for 42 years. It wasn't easy stopping. I used to think, I want to stop smoking. I really must do it. And the days I woke up, I'm not going to have a cigarette today. That's it. Honestly, within an hour, I'm having a cigarette. I couldn't do it. They say it's willpower. Uh, my uh, sister-in-law is a nurse and, uh, well, she's retired now. She went on a course. And on this course, they said to her, smoking is more addictive than heroin. And she said she was stunned because she was always saying to me, you should give up smoking. I don't know why you smoke. Just stop smoking. And she did this course about drugs or whatever. And next time I saw her, she said, I take all that back. You can't just stop smoking, can you? And I said, no, I can't. You know, it's a drug. I'm addicted. And when she told me, you know, it's more addictive than heroin, I was quite surprised myself. I went on a, a course of tablets called Champix. Champix, as in champion, the wonder horse. Do you remember that? That was good. I watched Rawhide the other day. I watched a whole hour-long episode of Rawhide. Clint Eastwood was in it. I used to watch that when I was, what, 11, 12 years old, come back after school. I forget which day it was. And we'd all, and all the kids in the class, they'd watch Rawhide. And the next day, all talk about it. Did you see this and did you see that bit? Oh, terrific. Anyway, it has nothing to do with Champix tablets. These tablets, I took them, the nurse said, you've got to take them, was it for, I think, two months. You take them for two weeks before you stop smoking. So you keep smoking and you take the Champix tablets. Then you decide on a day, right, tomorrow I'm stopping the cigarettes. And you know, the day before I decided to do it, I didn't want a cigarette. I thought I wanted one. I had a cigarette and it didn't work. And I remember I had another one. Well, that didn't do anything. I had three. And I thought, well, these cigarettes aren't doing anything. I don't really want them. I don't need them. And it was fantastic. The following day, I didn't smoke. And I haven't smoked since. And that was, goodness me, goodness me. <laughs> I was supposed to say good grief, not goodness me. How long ago was that? That was 11 years. Was it 11 years ago, I think? No, 13 years ago, was it? Oh, I don't know. It was a long time ago anyway. I'm really pleased. I think I gave up just in time because I was coughing. I remember every night in bed, I was just a little, <coughs> all night, you know, my wife used to hate it, all night. And you know, within two days of stopping, I didn't cough anymore. How about that? Within two days, I was amazed. I couldn't believe it. But it was true because I wasn't getting told off every five minutes. They were saying something on the telly the other day about gambling about how many people are addicted to gambling. And you know, we were both, my wife and I, were both sitting there watching it. And they were saying it's like a like an illness, you know, you're addicted. Although it's not, it's not a drug, is it? It's not a chemical drug like nicotine or alcohol, if you're addicted to that. Gambling, the addiction, they reckon, is just as powerful. Isn't that strange? I mean, I've never bothered to gamble. I used to put the odd two bob bit in the old do you remember a two bob bit in the fruit machine and the machine would just take it and I get nothing back 
Only if I was passing, if I had a bit of change in my hand, where I'd been up to the bar perhaps to get a beer, I put two bob in the machine and it just kept it. And I used to think, well, what's the point of putting two bob in there? I think once I, I was on holiday somewhere and there was this machine and I put a couple of pound coins in it and the machine just ate them, gone, finished. And oh, was that it? Okay, well, that was fun. <laughs> that was fun. I might as well just chuck the two quid down the drain. But they were saying, though, about gambling and how it is for some people they are addicted. I think it's really bad. Have you seen all these adverts on telly? Online gambling. You know, be part of our club. Come and join our social sort of club type thing they're trying to promote. And you know, you'll enjoy it. And then they say, well, be gamble aware or some daft thing they come out with. I don't think they should have adverts about gambling. Anyway, I don't know why I'm talking about gambling. Oh, because of cigarettes, wasn't it? A friend of mine was alcoholic, bless him. He, he was a, a bass player in a band. I think I've told you before, not in a band, in a, a, an orchestra. He played either double bass, you know, the big thing, or electric guitar bass in the orchestra pit, you know, like in the London theatres. And of course, afterwards, after the show, they'd all go to the bar and he would just drink and drink and he became alcoholic in the end. It killed him in the end, poor I did say no doom and gloom, didn't I? Listen to me talking about rubbish in the streets, addictions, doom and gloom, people talking about people passing away. Let's move on. How are you keeping? You okay? Enjoying the summer? <laughs> no, I'm not going to, that's more doom and gloom. Apparently we've got high pressure coming in. We keep being told this. I don't know what's wrong with the Met Office. If any of you out there work for the Met Office, email me, tell me what's going on. I keep hearing about heat waves, high pressure, hot air coming up from Spain, heat waves and all this nonsense. And this morning, my grandson, can we take the plane to the park, Grandad? Yeah, of course we can. I checked the weather forecast, no rain. What happens? We're just having breakfast, it starts raining. Stung the crows, what is the point of forecast? What is the point of a weather forecast where you have to reverse it all the time? Tomorrow is going to be hot and sunny. Ah, rain tomorrow. Tomorrow there's going to be torrential rain and floods. Oh, heat wave tomorrow. If you reverse it like that, you're normally right. Nine, town, nine towns, nine times out of ten, you're right. Nine towns. Oh, that was the towns, wasn't it? But aren't some towns awful? Aren't they awful when you look at them? You walk through. We went on holiday to Wells in Somerset. Look it up on the map. <laughs> Wells. What a lovely town. Clean absolutely wonderful. I, I don't think I've been, not recently anyway, uh, to a better town. Absolutely lovely. Big cathedral there. They, they've got gutters, you know the gutters down by the each side of the road. They're a lot of flowing water, they're like small streams and it is a wells, uh, I think it was named because there were wells everywhere, as in water wells and uh, springs and stuff. There's a big pond type, well not a pond, a lake type thing and they're running down the street in the gutter either side there's water. A friend of mine said you could go fishing in the gutter. Well, you can't because there aren't any fish in the gutter. But what a lovely town. Wells, if ever you get the chance, go and have a look. That is how to, to keep a town looking nice. I was impressed. I was still trying to think back to my childhood days. Was there rubbish everywhere? I used to go, have a look on, no, don't look on the map. Field Place. There's a place called Field Place just near Durrington Railway Station. Durrington-on-Sea, they call it. It's not on sea at all. I blame British for Why call it Durrington-on-Sea when it's nowhere near the sea? I mean, <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it? Anyway, this railway station, no, not the railway station, Field Place, it's kind of bowling green, uh, you know, bits and pieces like that. You can play tennis there. They've got uh, some indoor stuff. There used to be like a little tuck shop there. That's where I first had a, a tin of 7-Up. Do you have 7-Up where you are in your country? Seven up, it was like lemonade because I wanted Tizer. I said to the woman, I want Tizer now. No, I didn't. I said, uh, Tiger, please. Tiger, I think I'm losing my brain. Tizer, please, miss. <laughs> oh, I miss. <laughs> she said, I've already got seven up, so I tried that and it was really nice. And I've, I still drink seven up now. So, Field Place, I remember it. There was also there, you could, um, they had like mini golf. You could go and hire, you know, your golf clubs and golf balls and you have a round of mini golf for sixpence or whatever it was. Two and sixpence, halfpenny and three farthings <laughs> or something daft. And I was always over there as a kid because we didn't live too far from there. And I do not remember rubbish everywhere. I just don't remember rubbish. There were rubbish bins. 
everywhere, which obviously people put rubbish in. There was also a water fountain, which I liked. That was fun. We used to have water fountains around the town. I don't know why they've gone. I think anything like that has gone, hasn't it? I know red phone boxes have gone. We are, you know, the Brits, the UK, we are famous, aren't we, worldwide for our red phone boxes. In fact, a lot of them have gone abroad. When I went to California in 1975, I remember seeing quite a few red phone boxes. And I'm thinking, I know, I know, I know where they've come from. <laughs> they've nicked our phone boxes. But seriously, OK, we, we don't want telephones anymore in phone boxes because they're just not needed. But wouldn't it be nice to have the odd red phone box here? Well, an odd phone box, you know, the odd one or two. I don't mean the phone box is rod. Wouldn't it be nice to be, just have a few phone boxes here and there? All right, they'd be locked, of course, and there wouldn't be a phone in them. Mind you, they'd probably get smashed up, wouldn't they? Why do people smash things? Have you noticed that? Anything nice in a town that people try to do, the council or whatever, anything nice people try to do, like some flowers or a, a, a nice area, people smash it up and squirt paint or graffiti all over it. I don't think they did that when I was young. I don't remember things being smashed up. Perhaps I, I led a secluded life. No, I didn't. I went to a, a pretty rough boys' school. I, I knew a lot of the kids from the, you know, the rougher parts of town. I don't remember them smashing things up. It must have happened, I suppose, perhaps in London or perhaps even in my own town, and I wasn't aware of it, but it certainly wasn't rife like it is now. Things have changed, haven't they? I know you know, people say, oh, why do you live in the past? I don't live in the past. I just like a lot of the things the way they were. A friend of mine had a car. He had a brand new car, and he'd saved up for it. You know, he really did well. This is decades ago, and it got scratched. They call it keying, don't they? Just run a key or whatever down the car. And it just, just ruined it. Now, he was a paint sprayer, you know, a car sprayer. So he was able to do the, the repair work, spray it over, which was great. Do you know, it happened three times, I think, within a few months, he said. Three times his car got keyed. Do you know what he did? He sprayed it, sold the car, got rid of the car. His next car he had, I remember, we were in a pub. <laughs> Here we go. No, there weren't any girls. We were in a pub. And he said, oh, come and have a look at my new car. So we went outside. few of us went outside. And it was this rust bucket honestly from a distance we looked at it good grief <laughs> whatevs yeah that's a nice car whatevs it looked awful and we were saying why have you got that old wreck you just had a new car what do you want this old wreck for he said no 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 come and have a closer look the car was only two or three years old it was a lovely car inside it was immaculate mechanically it was perfect really nice car but the outside it was dirty, it was filthy, it was covered in rust. But we had a closer look. It wasn't rust. He'd painted it on. <laughs> Being a, a paint sprayer, he'd done a really good job. He'd made the car look like some old rust heap. It really did look rusty. And it was only two or three years old from brand new. And he said, this one won't get keyed. They're not going to bother with the wreck. And you know, it never did. No one ever touched it. Isn't that a shame? What does that mean? Now, what does that tell you? Well, it tells you that they don't scratch old cars, but why? It must be, if someone goes around scratching nice new cars, it must be some kind of jealousy, mustn't it? Oh, look, you've got a nice new car. I haven't got one. I can't afford one, so I'll wreck yours. I mean, that's, what sort of attitude is that? What's the matter with these people? You know, I can't have one, so I don't want you to have a nice car. I'm going to spoil it. That reminds me of another friend of mine, again, decades ago. He had a big old car. I forget what it was. I can't remember the make. And that really was a rust bucket. I mean, mechanically, it was good, but the bodywork was dreadful. And what he did, he put this huge... He was a mechanic. He put this huge engine in it. Was it a, a Austin Westminster? I can't remember. Anyway, a lot of room under the bonnet. And he put a huge engine in it, uh, you know, and, and gearbox and the diff at the back. He replaced the whole lot. And this... <laughs> <laughs> this thing, I remember being with him once at the traffic lights and we're sitting there in this old car. It sounded rough because he had a hole in the exhaust. So it's kind of sounded awful. And this young kid in his sports car pulled up beside us and he's looking and grinning. And of course, when the lights went green, this sports car chap is going racing up the road. And we just, we're plodding along beside him. 
Yeah, we weren't sort of high revs. We were just plodding along with this huge engine. <laughs> and this kiddie in the sports car, his face, he kept looking over to us and frowning. He had an open top. He was frowning and he couldn't, he couldn't work it out. It, there's him flat out in his new posh car. And we're just plodding along in this rust bucket and he couldn't overtake us. In the end, my friend put his foot down and we just left him. Oh, that was funny. I think that was the funniest thing ever. Absolutely brilliant, that was. Just going back to rubbish everywhere, what about fly tipping? You know, that's where people just dump a load of stuff in the woods. You've got an old fridge, a mattress, an old television. They just chuck it all in the woods. Recently, there was a farmer I was hearing about on the news. He got fed up with it outside one of his farm gates where it came out onto the lane. People kept just dumping a load of rubbish outside his farm gate. So, of course, he couldn't get in and out with his tractor. And he had to keep clearing up this rubbish himself, all sorts of stuff. Anyway, what he did, he hid a little video camera in this tree, which was a kind of motion sensor type thing on it. And he caught this chap on video in a pickup truck type thing, tipping a load of stuff, old fridges and washing machines, mattresses, loads of rubble, all this stuff. And of course, the police got him because it was on video. I mean, there's the evidence before your very eyes. I think they've increased the fine for fly tipping. I mean, why do people do it? What people are saying is your local tip, your local refuse tip, you're not allowed to take stuff there, certain stuff. If you're a, you know, if you're a, I don't know, say a kitchen fitter, for example, you strip someone's old kitchen out, you can't take it to the tip, you've got to pay. Well, surely people are saying, and I sort of tend to agree, why don't you say to them, look, you can dump it at the proper tip for nothing. We won't charge you rather than charge them so they won't you know, take it out into the country. Then you've got to pay to go and clear it up in the country. I don't know. It's, uh, I just don't understand people that do that. I mean, they just, well, I can't use that word, can I, on here, but they're just, <laughs> beep, <laughs> there we are. I don't know. It's just awful. Another thing I've noticed, you know, I said about the boy that picked up the dustbin. Our road here, all, all us lot in our road, we're pretty good. I've noticed people, I do it myself, if there is a bit of litter out there, someone will pick it up as they're passing, they just pick it up. I've noticed things blown into our front garden or a, a tin can, Some someone's walked past and chucked a can down, put it in the dustbin. If everyone did that in every street, in every town, well, wouldn't it be a nice place to live? I was talking about the weeds growing and the wildflowers growing everywhere. Some of the places are really nice. There's a dual carriageway uh, near us and uh, along towards Rustington, that area, if you know the area. Look on the map. <laughs> I bet you're saying, if he says look on that map, once again, I'm going to switch off. But there's wildflowers all along each side of the road. Absolutely wonderful. And from driving along, even driving, you can see the bees and other insects all buzzing around. They love it. There are a lot of people that are trying to do good things. Also, there's a load of daffodils now, it wasn't the council that planted them. Someone has gone along the grass verge planting daffodils. And I did hear it was a load of people from the local houses. They got a load of daffodil bulbs one year and stuck them all in the ground along the grass verge. So every spring is really nice. In fact, mother-in-law lives out that way. So whenever we go out that way in the spring, the daffodils are coming up. And that's it. I know it's a sign that our two or three week summer is on the way. Fantastic. Talking of people looking after things or not looking after things, I went into a little shop on the way back from uh, Knockhatch the other day. I forget where we were, but anyway, some little shop. I went in there and there was a, a lady in front of me and she knocked a whole load of crisps, you know, these packets of crisps off a shelf. She took one packet out and a half a dozen fell on the floor and she just went up to the counter, paid for her packet. She left them there. <laughs> she just left them on the floor. She was, what, in her, well, about my age, I suppose, 60s. Well, I know, I'm in my 40s, of course. No, she's about my age, about 70-something. And I thought, how terrible that was. While she was being served, I picked the crisps up and you know, put them back on the shelf. And when I got to the counter, the lady said, oh, thank you so much for doing that. It saves me coming round. And I said, oh, that's all right, no problem. And when the other lady, you know, she was looking at the other lady that had knocked them off the shelf, when she'd gone, she said, what's the matter with some people? And I just, I just said, to her, I don't know. I don't know. That's the world today, isn't it? We had a bit of a natter. Actually, 
<laughs> we were like two old women, rabbit, rabbit. Oh, I don't know, isn't it awful? Oh dear, it's dreadful. <laughs> when I got back out to the car, my wife said, you were a long time. And I said, yeah, I know, I got chatting about crisps and the way the world is today <laughs> stuff. She thinks I'm balmy. I think she's right. A couple of weeks ago, I went round to the doctors and I said, I want a couple of forms, one for my wife, one for myself, where you, you have to fill in this form. Then on your phone, you can go online and look at your medical records. So anything like a blood test result or whatever. I don't have to phone the surgery and annoy you lot. I can look online. Oh, yeah, the chap said, yep, yep, gave me two forms. He said, what you have to do, fill them in, then bring them back, your wife as well, and you will both need ID, such as a passport or driving licence, and sign them in front of either me or whoever's on reception. Great, we did that. We went home, we filled them in. About a week later, we got back there, and there was a young lady uh, on reception. And I said, right, we've both filled in our forms. There's our driving licences. Oh, you don't need to do that, she said. <laughs> and my wife said, well, we did a week ago. This other chap, he said, we we got to do it. She said, oh, no, you don't need to. So I said, oh, well, we've done it now. And she said, oh, OK, as you've done it, uh, I'll, I'll watch you sign them and I'll witness it. And we did all that palaver. I mean, do you need to fill in the form or not? She says no. He says yes. Anyway, they got the form. And I still can't <laughs> I still can't get to my medical records online. Actually, there's a warning. It says just before you look at your medical records. Well, just before it says you can't look at your medical records, contact your local GP. Just before you go there, a notice comes up and it says something about a warning. You might, you might read things you don't want to read or something. Well, in so many words, you know what I mean. <laughs> there might be things on there that <laughs> you don't want to know. I don't know. I just thought initially I went for a blood test and I mentioned this to the nurse and she said, yeah, get the form from reception. And she said, we encourage people to do this because if it saves phone calls... She said, for example, you're going to phone for your blood test result. She said, it saves that phone call. If we can get everyone to do this, it'll save you know, all the time we need answering the phone. And, you know, if you want an appointment, it's all, well, I make appointments online. You try and get through on the phone, you can't. You try again and again and again. You can't get through because they're just jammed with people wanting to make appointments. So it's a great system. I do the appointments online. Have you got that on your phone? You know, you just go into it and... You press appointments and it says, right, we've got this doctor on that day, that doctor on that day. So you can choose which, you know, whichever you want, whatever suits you. It's a very good system. And of course, it saves spending hours on the phone trying to get through. Talking of my dentist, as I was earlier, he said to me just before I left, have you got my mobile phone number? And I said, uh, well, no. <laughs> Should I have? He said, oh, yeah. And he gave it. He said, have my, have my mobile phone number. He said, then if you get any problems, you can just ring me directly. He said, because I'm not always here. I might be at home. And I thought, well, that's strange. Does he really want patients phoning him when he's at home? Anyway, I've got his mobile phone number, so that's good. Everything's going online, isn't it? Or on phone. I get text messages from the doctor. Don't forget your appointment, 8.30 tomorrow morning, which is really useful. I told you, didn't I? I was an hour early for my appointment at the dentist the other day. Did I tell you that? Hour early. She said, oh, you're a bit early. I said, yeah, I like to come early. She said, yeah, but it's half nine at your appointment and it's quarter past eight. <laughs> oh, dear, I don't know. Everything's online, though, isn't it? Do you do online shopping? We do sometimes. I, we prefer really, well, I don't, my wife does. I try not to go in shops, as you know. I don't like supermarkets. She tries to go up there as much as possible, but sometimes we're busy, stuff going on. So we do a and online and have it delivered. Now that's good. Can you hear that aeroplane? Sun's coming out. All the aeroplanes are coming out of Shoreham Airport. Shoreham, not Brighton and City Airport. The thing is with online shopping, when they deliver it, the dates are only just, you know, eat by tomorrow. And you think, well, hang on, it's, it's Friday evening. I've got to eat it by Saturday, which is in the morning. And it might be a load of stuff. You can't eat it all tomorrow. Whereas when you go to the shop, of course, you can choose the dates and stuff like that. I think all these all these sell-by dates, eat-by dates, store up until so-and-so or whatever dates, do you know, I think they're all a bit silly, really. I remember, I think I've said about this before, I remember in the old days, you take a lump of cheese out of the fridge or, or the cupboard before you had a fridge. If there's a kind of fur growing on it, you cut that bit off. 
the rest of the cheese is fine. These days, anything like that, people are, oh, oh, oh poison, oh, I can't eat that. Slightest thing, oh, I can't eat that. Bread, you get a bit of mould on bread, don't you, on the end of the loaf? Well, just cut that bit off, the rest of it's fine. <laughs> I think in the, when I was a boy, I think in the good old days, we all had a bit of mould, we had a, a bit of fur on the bread, didn't we, in the old days, a bit of penicillin, the old maggot in an apple, <laughs> or a piece of fruit. I mean, maggots don't do any harm. They probably did you some good. But I think going back then, you know, we were more resistant to germs and bacteria because we were, well, I don't know, we, we just weren't so hygienic. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't mean people smell. Well, they did. Some did smell. Some didn't use deodorant. I know I've said this before. What did people do before there was deodorant? Oh, no, don't even think about that. You're probably having your breakfast or your dinner or wherever you are in the world. You might be eating. And there's me going on about people smelling. OK, let's, <laughs> let's move on. It's almost haircut time again, but I don't want to go around there because, you know, I've got something growing on my ear. My wife noticed it the other day. She said, what's that on your ear? And I kind of looked in the mirror and there's this thing growing. It's probably a wart or something. I've got to go to the doctor. I have to make an appointment. Apparently what you can do now, oh, sorry, you're having dinner, aren't you? Apparently what you can do, you can take photographs of various bits of your body and you know, we've got things growing and you can send them off. We've got a place. You can send them off to this place, not the doctor, some other place where they freeze warts off and burn moles off and cut things off with a scalpel and stuff. I'm going to have to send a photo to the doctor and see what he says. You've got to be referred. So why am I telling you this? Because you're still eating, aren't you? Sorry about that. Let's move on to tomato plants. Our tomatoes are doing well. I mean, they're doing well, but this friend of mine, he built a greenhouse recently, a few months back. He said, I'm going to grow some tomatoes, really nice tomatoes, because they're lovely, aren't they? Straight off the, the vine. So he built this greenhouse. Now he goes away a lot. He has holidays and various business trips. So he built an automatic watering system. Okay. <laughs> you think you know what I'm going to say. Okay, so he built this watering system himself. He didn't buy a, a ready-made kit. He got the valves and the time switch and the bits of hose pipe. And it was brilliant. I went round and had a look at it. It was brilliant. He had it on the time switch. So for, what was it, something like 20 minutes every day, all the plants get watered. A really good system. So off he went on holiday. Right, when he got back... He's thinking the tomatoes are going to be doing well. Now you're thinking it was really hot weather. You're thinking they're all dead. No, they weren't. <laughs> the garden was flooded. The water system had come on and hadn't switched off. Now his neighbours is quite secluded. The neighbours couldn't see his garden from where they were. His garden was flooded. The water had been on flat out for a, a whole week. Instead of 20 minutes every day or whatever, a whole week. The tomatoes were, were alive. They didn't seem to mind the constant watering, which was surprising. But the whole garden, the greenhouse, everywhere, it was like a lake. And because uh, he phoned me and he said, he said, I'm back from holiday. My watering system wasn't too good. Come and have a look. He's only a little way from me. So I went round there. Honestly, the whole garden was six inches of water because it's, it's all in a, a bit of a dip anyway. Imagine that, on for a whole week. <laughs> Dear me. He said, I might have to modify the watering system a little bit. Uh, yes, I think you will, just a bit. And of course, he's, uh, like most of us these days, on a water meter. So they meter the amount of water you use. So tap running, flat out for a week. I don't know what his water bill is going to be. I remember when they put the meters in. It's quite interesting how they read the meter you know in the old days where well, you've got smart meters now in the old days the gas man would come around and read the meter then the electricity man he'd read the meter with the water meter well they don't anymore do they because they're all smart stuff the water meter is outside in the street you know in the pavement under the little flap thing the cover and do you know how they read it they don't open the cover and have a look at the reading they just drive by in their van and each water meter sends out little radio signals and it tells the van as it goes by, you know, that house's readout is blah, blah, blah. That number there, that house, their readout is blah, blah, blah. How about that? All they've got to do is drive down the street in their van. That's interesting. Or perhaps it's not. 
talking of the, the gas meter man, the electricity meter man, used to get a lot of visitors to the house in the old days, didn't you? You know, the gas man, electricity man, perhaps the rent man, if you rented the place, he'd come round once a week or whenever. Or when, was it whenevs? Is it? No, I forget what the term, what was that I said earlier? Whenevs. Yes, it was whenevs, wasn't it? <laughs> ridiculous. Oh dear, totes ridiculous. And of course there was the, the local greengrocer man, he'd come round in his van, knock on the door, you know, could, do you want any greengrocery this week? And you go and have a look in his van, or have a cabbage have some carrots. The Corona lorry. Who remembers the Corona lorry with the fizzy drinks? Oh, terrific. The ice cream. We have an ice cream van, you know, with all their ding-dong-ding business going on. We have an ice cream. Mind you, I haven't seen him for a while. I suppose the weather's put him off. But there were lots of visitors to the house. The coalman, he'd deliver the coal. We still get coal. We'll have to go and get it ourselves. You can have it delivered, but you have to have so much We've only got the one coal fire in the dining room, the open fire, so we don't use a lot. The first time we got it all swept and sorted out, I went and ordered the coal, and this coal lorry turned up a huge bag of coal. Good grief. It lasted us three winters, and I thought, I won't do that again. So we just get little bags now ourselves whenever we're out. Garden centres sell them, don't they? Garages everywhere sells them. But you had a lot more in the way of visitors in the old days. The paper boy. Do they still have paper boys? Deliver the newspaper every morning? I don't know. I, I don't. I think they, yes, they do. I have seen them around. So a lot more visitors back then. All sorts of people calling. Um, was it the man from the Prue? Do you remember that? Collect the insurance money. Oh, the football coupon man. He collect the money and your, your football coupon every week. There were so many visitors. And of course, if anyone was, in, I don't know, say someone had fallen down the stairs, they couldn't move, people would know because the milkman would call and you'd see the milk on the doorstep the following day. They hadn't collected the milk. You know, they hadn't taken it in. And the neighbours would immediately think, hello, what, you know, is she all right? And they'd go and find out. That's what I like about the old days. I like all sorts of things about the old days, as you know, because I'm always bagging on about it. But I think in our street, as I've said, we've got a really good community type spirit you know we most of us know each other we're all talking that there's no arguments and falling out and stuff everyone's on good terms we look out for each other you know someone will say oh we're, we're off on holiday for a week or two the neighbors know we keep an eye on the house make sure everything's all right which is really good but I think that's unusual these days I've spoken to friends of mine and family and they said well I don't know never spoken to my neighbors we've been there 10 years never met the neighbors <laughs> never spoken to them that's odd, isn't it? Is that odd? Or is that what it's like where you are? Email me, raiserants at protonmail.com. Raiserants at protonmail.com. It's Friday afternoon, three o'clock, just gone three o'clock. This is going on Sunday. reason I mentioned that is several of you have said, can you tell us what day? <laughs> I don't know why. Can it? Listen, what's that? Think of on an aircraft. Please fasten your seatbelts. They said, can you tell us what day it is and what time it is? But I don't know why, I'd just like to know, which I suppose is, is it interesting? I've no idea. Anyway, it's Friday, three, oh, it's ten past three, Friday afternoon. This is going on on Sunday. Tomorrow we're round to my mother's. We do a little few bits of housework round there. Uh, then later we've got mother-in-law here on Saturday. She comes to lunch. So <laughs> it's all go. Have you noticed, you know, when your kids parents look after you as you get older you've got to look after the parents you know we're always around there one of the houses or other doing jobs and doing this that and the other bits of shopping and things it all turns round, doesn't it it's a funny old life isn't it but as long as we enjoy it or try to enjoy it I do I try to oh I, I got a bit of trouble the other day my wife wasn't feeling you know how you get a bit of an off day you're feeling a bit down not depressed but a, a bit not in a bad mood but a bit kind of grumpy and whenever she's grumpy over all the years we've been together I've tried to be a bit jolly I'll say oh well you know don't worry we've got the weekend coming up we've got this happening oh look the sun's come out I tried to be all jolly and jovial <laughs> and positive and she said the other day I've got to say something and I said yeah go on I've got to say can you not be so jolly when I'm feeling a bit down <laughs> So I mustn't do that. I said, well, why haven't you said something all these decades? She said, well, I don't like to because you're being all jolly and trying to cheer me up and being nice. 
And she said, I hate it. So now, I joke now. If she's feeling a bit down, I'll say, oh, look, sun's out, it's going to be too hot. I suppose it'll rain later. Oh, this is no good. That's miserable. Everything's doom and gloom. Because <laughs> that makes her laugh. And anyway, there we are. It gets her out of a... We all get down sometimes. Do you get down? You must do. Sometimes I wake up. Well, no, every day, every day I wake up, obviously. Well, hopefully, hopefully I wake up in, in the morning. But every, what I meant to say was every day when I wake up. No, sometimes when I wake up, I, I'm not in a good mood. Very rare. I know what's caused it. It's a bad dream. I'll have a bad dream, something awful that's happened in the past. Then I wake up feeling a bit down, not, not grumpy or bad mood, but feeling a bit down because the dreams are so real that I wake up thinking, oh dear, well, that's a shame. This has happened. That's happened. Then I realised, oh, no, no, it's a dream. But I still feel a bit down. Isn't that odd? Probably need a psychiatrist. <laughs> Is it true that to be a psychiatrist, you've got to be mad yourself? No, there'll be, be all the psychiatrists contacting me now saying, are you, what do you mean? Are you calling me mad? <laughs> I think on that note, I better clear off, don't you? You've had enough of this now. Have you had enough of this? Where are we? We're heading for the hour. Well, 50 minutes anyway, you don't want too much. Otherwise, you'll be feeling, you'll be saying, oh, I listened to Ray for an hour. Now I feel, I feel depressed. No, it's not all been doom and gloom, has it? Some of it's been good. Some of it's been funny. I like the funny bits, especially, uh, yeah, uh, what is it? Totes. Yeah, I like the totes. <laughs> totes funny. Coolio, cool bananas. There we are. Whatevs. Whatevs. Keep smiling. We've got the sun out now. So I'm going to go and check the, <laughs> check the tomato plants, check the rabbits, check the tortoise. Gary, the tortoise, that is, that's Gary. He's, uh, he's got his own, well, he lives in the shed <laughs> and he's got his own little hatch where he can come out into his section of garden or he can go back in. It's funny, the other day he, he came out, the sun was out. He looks out of his little hatch and he thinks, oh yeah, he looks up, oh, the sun's shining. Comes down his ramp, settles himself somewhere in the sun because then it started raining and I was thinking, oh, I better put Gary away, it's raining. Then I thought, well, no, he knows the way home. He knows the way back into the shed. And I thought, you know, in, in the wild, they put up with the rain. I see what he does. So he sat there in the, in the rain for quite a while and the rain got heavier. And you could see every now and then he looked up as if to say, you know, what's this? What's this wet stuff everywhere? And eventually... He plodded back up his ramp through the hatch and went indoors and sat under his heat lamp for a while to dry off. But, uh, and the rabbits, they're funny. They're out, they've got a huge run half the garden. They're out in the garden, chewing the grass. They mow the lawn, it's good. I don't have a lawn mower anymore. And it'll start raining. And you see them flicking their heads, flicking their ears and their, their tails and their fur probably wondering what the rain is. When it gets harder and harder and starts lashing down, they kind of look around. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think their brains are very large. And eventually they run in into their house. But it takes them a long time to kind of realise that it's raining. By then, they're pretty wet anyway. <laughs> there we are. Happy days. I shall see you all on Wednesday with my midweek message. I told you, didn't I, last uh, Wednesday... My midweek message was late. I forget why it was. What, what was it I said? Did I go to the dentist? Oh, I can't remember what I did. But it was late. I felt awful. But I won't be late this Wednesday. So midweek message Wednesday. Email me and I shall see you with the, the hour long, almost hour long episode next Sunday. Take care. Look after yourselves. See you next time. Bye bye for now.